Hi, my name is Dan, and in this world, I'm a lot of things. A father, a son, a brother, a talk radio host. But one thing that I'm definitely not is a Star Trek fan. However, my brother Joey... That's me. He is a Star Trek fan, but only the original series. Live long and prosper. He believes that if I sat down and watched the original series, that maybe, just maybe, I could become a fan too. There's such great writing. How could you not? So for the next 79 episodes of this podcast, that's what I'll be doing. Watching every episode of the original series and coming here to discuss it after each one. So join me each week as I go through all 79 original Star Trek episodes. This is Attempting Trek. Welcome to another edition of Attempting Trek. My name is Dan. I am the person who is attempting to be a Star Trek fan. And with me, as always, to guide me in this endeavor is superfan Joey. How are you doing tonight, Joey? Great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I know that we are getting into the enemy within. And I, I want to ask you before before we start delving into this one, okay? On a scale of 16 to 423, how excited about this particular episode are you? Um, that's tough to give this one a rating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the concept. Um, this is the kind of these are the kind of story ideas that make me like Star Trek. You know, they come up with. Um, you know, unique ways to say, well, what if we did this? What would that look like? And then play it out. Um, you know, so I'm sure that this concept has been seen in other, you know, TV shows or movies or books or whatever. And in fact, I believe this concept does come from a novel. But um, it was still fun to see how it played out. So I did like it. It still is a thumbs up. I. Your your number rating system there is a little bit tough for me to <laughs> figure out where it should go exactly. So uh, I'm actually going to sidestep that one, a la uh, your new president, Donald Trump. Okay, yeah, cause I was going to say it's a very uh, political uh, answer of, of you. You make a fine politician one day, young man. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. I, I'm going to tell you something before we begin, and that is I believe I've seen this one before. Oh, okay. I was wondering when we, when we would get to one of those. We have yes, we have hit one that I'm 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 actually positive that I have seen this one before. Like there are things happened and I kind of remembered them. Not a lot of things, but I mean I definitely remember, you know, the basic idea of this episode and then one or two specific things that happened along the way. I was like, "Oh, yep, I remember this." So, wow. Yeah. Okay, because right. you've mentioned this in the uh, you know, in the past and past pro- podcasts, of course that you have watched bits and pieces of the original series. Yes. But I was left wondering, does that mean that you basically sat down for, you know, one act, you know, then the commercial came along and then you flipped the channel? Or do you think it's possible you sat there from pretty much beginning to end, ever? I would say there's probably a couple that I saw beginning to end. Uh, And when I say a couple, I mean literally two, maybe three, something along those lines. I would put it in in numbers like that, That numbers that small. And this is likely to be one of those two or three? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. All right. right. Now, also, I want to point out to listeners, anytime that Superfan Joey 
Uh, I, I don't, and I don't know if you like that. I, I've dubbed you a, like that's kind of like, <laughs> like a, a title now, super fan yeah. Joey. Like when yes. you're you're going to be going down to the subway and someone's going to say, "Hey, super fan Joey, what's going on?" Like, like <laughs> I don't know if you're okay with that. That may start happening. Just putting it out there for you. But uh, Joey, who has all kinds of uh, trivia and knowledge about Star Trek, about the original series, anytime he has something urgent that he's go- that he needs to say. Rather than disrupt the flow, he will let me know by playing me the classic communicator sound. All right. And with that and no further ado, let's start talking about the enemy within. All right. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So I, I don't know what planet we're on at the beginning of this. Do you know where we are? Because I'm not sure. It- Yes, this is Planet Alpha 177. I recognize it immediately, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if on the back of the giant matte painting they have, uh, it says down there, Alpha, whatever number it was that you just said. Like, there's a bunch of them, and then they're all cataloged, and someone goes, oh, okay, all right, we're going to be on Alpha 7176. All right, just hang that one tonight. That's, That's what we're doing this week. I'll tell you, this one actually looks like, you know, in the first scene that we're we're close to getting started with here, it looks pretty much identical to what we saw in the Man Trap. Okay, I mean, it, you remember it, that? It well, I'll, it looks like just about all the other planets that I've seen. Kind of does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all they all kind of look the same. They all sort of have yep. some sort of a a deserty look to them. But all right, that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, this one is is immediately hilarious. Uh, it doesn't take long to get hilarious because one of the first things that we see, we see, all right, so our crew, our heroes are are down on the planet and they're, I don't know, I don't even know what, what it is that they're doing there. What, what have you got, Joey? I just wanted to, uh, uh, I, we forgot to mention the early part of this stuff, which is that this episode was first broadcast on October 6, 1966, and it is the fifth episode of the first season. Okay, so that's where we're at. All right, fair enough. Yes. All right, yeah. so I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing down there. They're, they're checking things out on, on this planet. Do you know what the point of them being there is? Is there some specific reason that they're on this planet and checking stuff out? I don't even um, know. It lo- yeah, it looks like it's um, some sort of uh, geological study or something of okay. the planet's surface or something like that. It's geology-based. Okay. None of that is is all that interesting. Here is the most interesting thing: is that Sulu is holding an alien in his hands, and he is not just holding any alien. Why, if if I wouldn't know any better, I would say <laughs> it's a dog in an alien <laughs> costume, and and the dog is like licking its lips and acting very dog-like while Sulu holds it and we're all supposed to sit there and pretend like it's some sort of alien creature quite possibly the most hilarious thing I have ever seen (laughs) in any of these episodes so far yeah that's uh, yeah they could have done a little better maybe I don't know that that definitely does look pretty pretty bad Um, you could actually if you take a close look at that opening moment when he's holding, you know, this alien mm-hmm. animal in yeah. his hands, yeah. and you look at the face, you could actually see that the like the face just sticks out of the <laughs> yes. hole where the dog, you know, face is supposed to be, or you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you could see the. I think even that horn 
actually moves like it shifts like from one side to the other of the, the poor dog's head it, it is quite possibly and quite probably yeah. the least convincing alien i have ever seen in anything anywhere it's it's oh, yeah. really impressive i mean i think i was more convinced at the puppet plant a couple of episodes ago <laughs> than i was at this but they kept showing this 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 alien yeah. animal every so often and every e- every time they would show it though i would be amused every time like oh it's that dog again it's hilarious yes and i'm telling you that horn on its head sometimes it looks like it's actually like falling down over the dog's <laughs> eyes a little bit it's just it, it is hysterical <laughs> okay so we've got our our new friend some alien animal but really th- w- things get started when some crewman crewman x uh, falls from I don't know a cliff the bank he says he fell from that bank and he's cut his hand and it's bleeding and it's bleeding pretty good so yep. he gets sent all right head on over to sick bay get back up to the ship go get it taken care of what happened fell off that bank sir cut my hand Let's see get back to the ship report to the sick bay yes sir and when beaming him back up we run into some kind of issue. You know, the, the transporter process does not go according to plan. It, Scotty is having a, a, a trouble bringing him in. There's a flashing red light. Clearly, there's there's some issue going on here. Yeah, and did you notice while they're, while they're going through the process of that, they really go out of their way to show you the hands on all of the controls? Did you notice that? Absolutely, yes, they they did to yeah. to show you like this is what we're doing. This is the process of of uh, sl- of using the sliders to go up and down. Yeah, to like yeah. you know pulling them out and then bringing them back in because that's all going to be kind of pivotal later on. It'll it'll be much cooler later on when it when it means a little bit more. Yes. And so, all right. When when the guy finally gets through, he doesn't come through right away. But whenever he does get through. He's doesn't feel too well, and he's uh, all right. He's bleeding. He tells him to go to uh, contamination, and then right after, here comes Captain Kirk. He's beaming up. Something something else happened in the process of him beaming up. Did you notice? I'm not sure if you did. If you caught the one second that they showed. Of the red light flashing. Did oh, you yes. see that? Yes, I, I said that, that the, there was a red oh, light sorry. flashing. Yes. Oh, okay, I apologize. Okay. Yeah, no, and it, yeah, it, it's the red light, it's not like on top of the console, and it was yeah. flashing, and there was a problem. All right, so right. Kirk comes through next, and when Kirk comes through, he's not feeling so good all of a sudden. <laughs> he does not quite seem his usual fun, confident self. He seems a little woozy. So, all right, that... that Kirk leaves, and I guess everybody else leaves at this as well, right? They all wherever it is they're going to. They are, well, yeah. And in fact, Kirk even says, "Hey, listen, don't don't come with me. You can't leave the you can't leave the room unattended." And and Scotty's like, "Nah, nah, shut up. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm I'm, I'm going to walk you out." So the room which is, leaves the opening for this thing that's about to happen. <laughs> so the room is unintended. It's so man. All right. Well, you can't leave the room unintended because who knows what might happen. No, 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 nothing will happen. And so, of course, they leave the room and something happens. And what happens? Another Kirk beams up. And not only. Take two. 
<laughs> Not only does another Kirk beam up, but this one turns around with a dramatic close-up on his face like he's some sort of serial killer who's just escaped yeah. the insane asylum. It's, yeah. It is such a dramatic uh, look at him. You know, like he just turns around. It's – I don't know what to say about this. You know, like he's Did like – uh... uh-huh. Yeah. Did you notice the uh, the makeup over his eyes and everything? No. He, it looks like they put eyeliner on his eyes. Well, you know, I'm sure you notice his eyes. There's just something darker about his head and his face, and it looks to me like, for whatever reason, they thought it would illustrate the story better if they have eyeliner on his eyes. Oh no, that's kidding. What it show, that's what it looks like to me, anyway. I'm not saying it's a fact. That's my oh, okay. observation. I thought it was just yeah. that they had different lighting on him because he is kind I of, think that's it too. you know, shadowy yeah. in the in the face and then lit up in, in different areas. And, you know, it's that up looking, you know, you're kind of looking up at him, you know, with that angle, which right. makes him seem a little more powerful and, or intimidating. But Yeah, you know, and this is also the, the same time that we start – to hear all of the music and that's uh, that's um oh yeah it is noteworthy. that's right it's this highly dramatic music chimes in yes <laughs> super sinister music that's right yes. yes but but that's but that's also noteworthy because the music for this episode was a full score for the just for this episode and that happened only a couple times in the history of the of the show i think maybe even literally twice um and I believe that that's Saul Kaplan that does this. Um, that's not the same guy that does the, uh, the, the music for the opening theme. But the music in here, they liked doing a score for the entire episode. I don't, I, you know, that seems pretty unusual to me, wouldn't you say, Dan? Uh, I, I guess so. An original score for just one episode? I, you know, I, I don't even know that, that if that's how they, these sort of things would happen, to be honest with you. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, if it happens, it happens, you know, for a movie. Um, so that, that to me was interesting. Also, a lot of the music that they came up here um, winds up, you know, being cannibalized and used later throughout the life of the show. So a lot oh, well, of, a lot of stuff we're hearing now is, is being heard for the first time. Okay. Well, that certainly would make sense. All right. So let's see. So when we come back and, we, you know, that's when we hit our opening credits. We come back from the opening credits. Uh, thanks to our handy narration, it lets us know that there is a transporter malfunction has caused a strange duplicate of Captain Kirk. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 And so let's see. So now we've got we've got Kirk and we've got Kirk two evil Kirk, w- whatever you want to call him. Is there some sort of phrase that, that people generally refer to uh, the other Kirk in, in, in this episode? Well, they're going to eventually refer to him as, what, the imposter, the duplicate. Yes, the uh, imposter shows up a lot, which is funny. Yeah. Because he's not really an imposter. It's not really. He he is Kirk. He's just, you know. I know. I agree with you. But yeah. he's also, which is annoying to me, it's a pet peeve of mine, he's not a duplicate. That's true. You're right. Think- he's not a duplicate. He's a half. He's- he's a <laughs> Exactly. He's yes. A- well, we're getting ahead of the story. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, that's true. I know. Well, that's true. I mean, the narration says, yes, it's a strange duplicate of him. Uh, so the the first Kirk that came through, regular Kirk, he is who was feeling woozy. Uh, he heads on over to his, to his quarters, and he, he goes and lies down. Meanwhile, McCoy is tending to the crewman. Okay, so while McCoy is tending to the guy who hurt his hand, well, now we have evil Kirk or other Kirk. 
he walks in. This is great. This guy is this guy is large and in charge, and he demands <laughs> some I don't Saurian brandy. Is that right? Do I am saying that right? Yes. Yep. 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 Saurian brandy. Saurian brandy. What can I do for you, Jim? I said, give me the brandy. Give me some Saurian brandy. <laughs> he like, and he wants it now. By the way, and, that's right. And and I don't know if McCoy is just the keeper of alcohol because he flips a little switch and then some sort of 70s-esque slider, you know. It opens up, and then there's all these fancy bottles back there. All right, here we go. Here's your brandy. And now Evil Kirk is getting sauced and heading his way over to (laughs) see uh, Yeoman Rand. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he kind of stumbles... In that direction, I think. I don't think he's headed there intentionally. I at least I don't think so. No, he. You know, he's walking down the hallway, and then I think he sees her door, and it's like, yeah. well, all right, I guess we're gonna get this done finally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, our regular Kirk, he gets a visit from Spock just to see if he's okay, and uh, he says, "Listen, I, I I need to make sure that you're okay because I talked to Doctor McCoy, and he says." That, well, you're acting like a wild man. Kirk is, what are you talking about? I've been napping. I'm standing here shirtless with a towel. What are you talking about? I'm relaxing. Everything's fine. And and also, not only does he do that, Kirk convinces, well, I don't know if he convinces him, but he tells Spock, no, no, that's McCoy just messing with you again. What are you Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you know how McCoy likes to screw with you because you're a Vulcan and he's a... I guess not a racist, but a, a speciesist. He's a or, or a vulcanist. <laughs> he's a vulcanist. He's an anti-vulcite. Yes, he's an anti-vulcite. Yes, let's go with that. Yes. Well, our good doctor said that you were acting like a wild man. Demanded brandy. <laughs> our good doctor's been putting you on again. Hmm. Well, in that case, if you'll excuse the intrusion, Captain, I'll get back to my work. I'll tell him you were properly annoyed. Yeah, you know, he's just, like, letting those tendencies fly with you. That's all. That's fine. (laughs) All right, so Kirk then puts on that shirt that I hate. (laughs) Yeah, the dress shirt. Yeah, I hate that shirt. I can't. Yeah, and that shirt gets a lot of play in this episode, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not so much the, the Caesar, like, you know, things that are going around around the neck. It's it's not so much that it's that double breasted thing that's going on the the way it kind of folds into it, it yeah it makes it, it it I think it looks this way on anybody it kind of makes you look like you have a little bit of a belly going on whether yep. you do or you yep. don't and it, yeah not a good look but that's a hundred percent because you can see in this particular episode I noticed that Shatner looks more fit than you know surprisingly fit to me. And and that's without the shirt, or then when you see him with the regular shirt on, and then when he puts on this dress shirt that we're talking about, yeah, he looks like he's walking around with a belly. Yeah, he absolutely does. And I'll tell you, yeah. in in Charlie X, I was impressed at how freaking wow, Shiner's he's fit, guy's in shape. Yeah. Look how good yep. he looks. And yeah, no, no, put that shirt on, and now we're giving off an entirely different vibe. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, Kirk and Spock then head off to see Scotty. 
<laughs> and who is with them, Joe? Who is with them? Kirk and Spock go off to see Scotty. Yes, and, and who's with? The, oh, your your favorite animal? Uh, yes, the the alien dog. <laughs> <laughs> It's yes, fan- it's fantastic, and and here's where we gotta go ahead, and we're gonna illustrate exactly what's going on. And I like that we have figured this out very early into this one. We're already on on point, is what it is. Well, yeah. we have here's the one alien dog that we had that was nice and swell and sweet and would fetch and roll over, and now we've got this other one that's a total jerk that's barking at us. <laughs> That's, you know, peeing on the carpet, that's tearing up our shoes. This one is a bad alien dog. Bad alien dog. And they've got it in, like, yeah. I don't know, some little crate or whatever it is that they're, they're holding it in. And Scotty has, has Scotty has already figured out, well, this is a duplicate for the other one, but not a duplicate, an opposite. A few seconds after they sent this one up through the transporter, that duplicate appeared. Except it's not a duplicate. It's an opposite. Two of the same animal, but different. One gentle, this. One mean and fierce, that. Yes, that's what he says. It's the opposite. And apparently, this is some sort of transporter malfunction, and that the landing party, which includes Sulu, they got to stay down on the planet until they fix it because, well, we don't want them to all come through here, and then we got to deal with the opposite of all those dudes running around. That would last thing we need is a bunch of opposites running around. <laughs> we don't. Nobody needs opposite Sulu, especially mm-hmm. especially right. after you know shirtless time. yes <laughs> shirtless sword swashbuckling Sulu last episode. He's uh, you know he's been through enough. Just sit down on the planet until we figure it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, the idea that we've deduced so much that we would figure, okay, somehow transporting has split them. Somehow, it's it's not as though one alien dog came through or maybe someone threw another one in there. No, no, no. This must be that this one is this way. This one is a jerk. They're opposites. Like, okay. like the how they figure that out so quickly. Well, I, I appreciate I'm going to... Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to be the contrarian on this. I'm going to say yes. it's not that hard to figure out, right? Like you beam up one, and then suddenly, you know, a few seconds later, here comes another. You didn't intentionally beam it up. You check down. You you check back on the planet. You talk to Sulu, and you ask him, you know, did you send another one up? What's going on? And they can't figure it out. They start, you know, investigating. It only takes a few minutes, I think, to to realize that. You know, there's, there's something weird going on. You already know something weird is going on because of the red light that was flashing when true um, the the first crewman came up. And I don't know if you caught this, but <clears throat> right when the first crewman came up, he saw the red light flashing and he immediately knew that something was wrong. He then uh, what did he do? He he sprayed him or analyzed him with some you know ray machine and said, "Oh, that's you've got some weird ore." On your on your person, True. that that, that yes. yellow the yellow stuff that was on his uniform, yes, and that it was magnetic, and so he already I think the the wheels have were already turning in Scotty's head, so he knows that you know what's going on with the transporter. Oh, let me fix. Let me take take care of the captain first. Go back. You beam up this animal. I, I don't think it's that hard. I think within thirty minutes you're starting to go. Wait a minute, and at least observe mm-hmm. that these things are happening. Do you think this sort of thing has ever happened before in in transporting history, or this is probably yeah. probably not? But okay. I also think that these are 
these are different types of humans than than you or me, right? These are people that are hundreds <laughs> of years in the future that have been, you know, planet hopping and seeing all kinds of things. Their minds are open to all sorts of possibilities. To me, I think it's I think this part's plausible. Okay, all right, you you've got me convinced. By the way, good job. Okay. Yes, good job on your part. Yes. Now let's get let's get back to the party of of evil Kirk or opposite Kirk. Heading on over and checking out on Yeoman Rand. He uh, shows up. He's drinking that that brandy. Sorry, I'm brandy. And, all right, listen. I dig the beehive. I've been drinking some brandy. I'm feeling pretty good. Let's see when he, let's you and me start making out. Uh, but she's not having it, and she fights him off. She scratches his face. This is something that I this is I definitely remember this that she scratches yeah. his face and okay that's going to be our indicator as to which Kirk is which got the scratches on the face. She calls yeah. she calls for help to get Spock um she sees a crewman and tells him get Mr. Spock. Go Mr. Spock. Go Mr. Spock. And that poor crewman who already had a busted up hand. Uh, it's the same one. Yes, exactly. It's the same dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While Yeoman Rand gets away, this guy does not. He gets a beatdown from Evil Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you yeah. snitch on me. <laughs> well, does she get away? I don't think so. He he runs out of the room. He runs out of yes. He, he runs out of the room to 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 stop um to stop the crewman from calling for help. And doesn't she right. leave at that point though? Well, no. What we see is she, he throws her back into the room, runs out the door after the crewman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Manila. Let me ask you about the about this attempted you know rape, rape scene. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. What what did you think about? Um, about the way it, about the way they filmed it. Did you have any? Did it strike you, you know, one way or another? Uh, wait, how they filmed it? I, I don't know what well, you mean. Well, like, I, I don't want to lead you. Um, it's a little but, rough. It's a little unpleasant. If, if, that's what I'm asking. Yes. I thought, yeah. Yeah. Did it did it seem a little graphic for the time period? Uh, I I I did wonder about just how graphic it was. I mean, really. It's actually not that graphic, but he is, you know, they are grappling and he is trying to force himself on her. You know, he doesn't actually, you know, smack her or, or punch her or anything like that or, or tear her clothes. But, yeah, probably for the time period, I would say that there was, you, you're not seeing that on television. I'm trying to think of where else you would see that on a, on a TV yeah. series in 1966. I can't think of anything. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's a, it was uncomfortable to watch. Absolutely, you know, not, it's definitely uncomfortable to watch. Yes. Yeah, I did not enjoy watching that at all, and it is it is the uh, the low moment of the show for me. You know, uh, I wish that they could have found a different way to do it. On the one hand, on the other, it is what it is. Um, regardless, they definitely tried to illustrate the dark side of Kirk here, and I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, sure. And yeah, you know we we got we got the scratches on the face. So I mean, you know, yep, we yep. All right. So now we have uh, Spock going to Kirk and saying, "I'm sorry. What, what's happening here? What is going on with you?" Mm-hmm. Kirk is is denying. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay. And let's see. Do we have a quick scene of 
of opposite Kirk who uh, has hurt his hand? <laughs> they just miss each other. As they're heading to sickbay to go find out what's going on, they get into the elevator, and as soon as the elevator doors close, boom, here comes a hand and nothing else. Yes. <laughs> With the dramatic music. Yes. <laughs> Which to me is like, so, yeah, if you're trying to remember this uh, podcast, Attempting Trek fans, Star Trek fans, I'm sure you can, but just to just to take the extra step here, it's his right hand, it's exposed out you know, in what, like a 90-degree angle, all you see is, like, the hand and part of the forearm, and you see it's almost like the hand is, like, trying to grasp at something. It just, like, juts out into the hallway from nowhere, <laughs> and there's blood on the hand. It's just so weird. And there's the dramatic music, of course. There's a lot of dramatic... Yeah, there is a lot of dramatic music in this one. Yes, and it gets punched, like, right as soon yes. as you see that hand, at mm-hmm. the same time that all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Yes. You know, here comes... Here comes the hand. Here comes the music. All right. So let's see. Now we've we're moving on, and we've got uh, Kirk and Spock. They're now seeing Yeoman Rand, and she's accusing him of attacking her. And uh, Crewman Fisher. And by the way, we now know his name is Crewman Fisher. He also says, "Yeah, by the way, I, I got a beatdown from that guy." So, <laughs> but Kirk t- says, "Listen." I've got no scratches on my face because she says while they're they're talking yeah. about it, and and that's how they determine, or I should say, actually, it's Spock who comes up with this determination that it's an imposter. There's only one logical answer. We have an imposter aboard. I just I know I love it. <laughs> it's, well, it's not it's not only that it's yeah. also the fact that there's the report of him with the brandy. Oh right. yeah, and yes. It, there's there's all the other things that we know about the alien dog. I mean, it's it's not a leap to it's not that great of a leap to to go to the imposter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, for Sulu and the landing party, uh, starting to get a little cold down there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, starting to get a little cold down there. Uh, I, you know, you know how these planets are. You know how Alpha eighteen seventy six is. One minute. <laughs> It's the desert, and it's hot, and the next minute, it's freezing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's starting yeah. to get a little cold. All right, so now yeah. we, we, we quickly shift to Kirk talking to Spotty, to Spotty, to Scotty about... Oh, yes. about <laughs> <laughs> you're saying James Dewan's acting was a little spotty in this one? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> It's that it's that hair, you know. It's that hair that he has just kind of parted, or I should say, combed over one way all the time. Perfectly, though, but perfectly. Yeah, yeah per- yes, perfectly. It, it doesn't move. You're correct. But, it is perfectly well, just on in there. keeping with the rest of the show, does anybody's any character's hair ever move on oh, the show? Oh, no one. Maybe Kirk, <laughs> but no one. But nobody's Not really hair. Kirk's, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah is. it's crazy. They go through all these fight scenes, right? They get knocked around all yeah. over the bridge. Everybody's hair, Uhura, you know, Nurse Chapel, whatever aliens on board, the hair is perfect. Yes. Unbelievable hairspray. Yeah, it really is. And and you yeah. know what it is? With Scotty, it's just kind of plastered. His seems very plastered on his head. I think a little more so than everybody else. Although okay. McCoy almost seems like he has lifelike hair. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but it still doesn't move much, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh-huh. All right, so 
<laughs> so Kirk is talking to Scotty about fixing the transporter. He's holding that silly dog the entire time, so it's very distracting oh. as to what what they're ta- what they're saying. I'm just looking at yeah, it's a dog in a in a costume. And Kirk and Spock also they they decide. Well, listen, we do have evil Kirk running around on the ship, but we <laughs> but we can't kill him. We can't kill him. All right. Because he's a part of you, and, well, you know, we kill him. You guys need each other. Uh, Kirk wants to go ahead and tell the crew, and Spock tells him, listen, um, that's not a good idea, because it would undermine people's belief in your ability to lead. And Kirk absolutely says, you know what, you're right about that, and then he's not sure why he couldn't think of that himself. Hmm. What's... What's wrong with me? Why Why didn't that thought occur? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kirk also realizes that he's he's lost his strength of will. Now, let me ask you this. Because Kirk wanted to tell the crew about what was going on, right? Yeah. And Spock was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. And then doesn't Kirk make an announcement right after that? You know, I was going to talk to you about that too. I I wonder if that's just bad editing, or if we if we're missing the nuanced difference in the message that they were talking about sending and the one he actually sends. Um, maybe there's a maybe there's a deleted scene, if you will, where or cutting room floor scene, I guess, for the time period, mm-hmm. where after this they had another conversation where they said, you know what, you maybe you should do that because you ha- they have to find him. Right, that's the importance of the message that he's going to wind up delivering. Is that you know, if you find this guy, let us know. We got to get him. But um, yeah. you know, and and here's how you identify him. Well, so maybe that that's the that's the that's the important piece. You know, maybe the idea is all right. We want uh, people to know there's an imposter, and we need to catch the imposter. But we don't need everybody to know that he's half of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, that's part of of, of what the idea is. All right, because. Now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking about it. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So when Evil Kirk is running around and he hears the announcement, <laughs> he starts to yeah. he freaks out a little bit. He doesn't take it so well. I'm the imposter is not to be injured. <laughs> he goes ahead and he opens up his Max Factor kit and he starts to uh, dab a little makeup over his scratches. You know, he feel, he realizes that he needs to to blend in. And yeah. then he runs into Wilson, this character who we saw earlier. He's the guy who assists Scotty in the transporter room. He's got a name. What do you know? Wilson. And he says, hey, Wilson, why don't you uh, hand me over that phaser you got in your hands there? <laughs> So funny, <laughs> yes. Because he actually asks him, "All right, how you doing? <laughs> how you been?" Yeah. And then, uh, and then, he, next thing you know, boom! Wilson, give me your phaser. Yes, sir. How you been? Fine, sir. And it's like Wilson, you can see he's like, oh wow, you're like taking an interest in me, you know, on a personal level. That's great, you know. Like his face almost starts to beam a little bit, and next thing you know, karate chop down, you're done. <laughs> Poor Wilson, so rude. It's so rude. <laughs> Poor Wilson. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> All right, so so now uh, we get a, a brief moment of uh, more or, or we more information about Sulu. It's starting to get really cold on the planet. <laughs> uh, all right, this is gonna. We we need to really start hurrying up on this. There always seems to be a timetable that becomes enacted. It's not all right. We got to catch the imposter and and meld him back into uh, the good Kirk. It's all right. We got to do this, and then we got to. But no, we have to do it in twenty minutes because if we don't, people are gonna freeze or the planet is gonna explode. There's you know there's a timetable that happens. You know someone sets the clock. Yeah. Now in, in this particular case, the original writer of this of this script had did not have any put of this stuff with Sulu on the planet. There's no landing party. There's not. It's basically just the you know, the replication the replicated Kirk. That's the main story, and there's nothing else. Roddenberry, legendary for his um, maniacal rewriting, if you will, of, mm-hmm. of scripts, is the one that inserts this element to the show. And I think he does that because he wants to add the urgency, which you were so happy about or impressed by last episode with the Naked Time when they introduced you know, a, a, a time factor. You liked it then. I did. And they're doing it again here. Yeah, I, I don't oh. know if I like it so much in this one. Maybe because I just saw yeah. it in the last one. So it's like, oh, okay. Seems a little too familiar. Yeah, it does. It's like, okay, th- here's our regular problem, and now that problem is exacerbated by the fact that we're on a tight deadline of death and doom. So we need to hurry <laughs> it up. <laughs> There's going to be other reasons that I'm going to be critical of this coming up sure. in a minute here. But um, I, for what it's worth, the naked time was actually shot and produced before this one, oh, right boy. before. All right. So yeah, so the time factor thing that you liked so much that was introduced last time, actually it's introduced this time. I it doesn't see. really matter to you. You're still seeing it second and that's all that matters. But yeah. just you know, a little bit of trivia there. This one actually was shot first. So when we see Sulu freezing on the planet, uh, Kirk and yep. Spock are, are talking it over in the conference room. And this is one of the things that I do dig is when we see the different sets like this conference yep. room set. This I've seen this set almost in every episode, I think. It's come up a lot mm. of them just okay. where they have a, a quick conversation or a quick aside. You know, in the last episode, it was, you know, Kirk was with there with Scotty and McCoy and uh, and Spock. They were I forget what they were discussing. Uh, anyway, I always kind of like that. They're sitting there, you know, discussing the problems. Spock is, is thinking, well, you know, the... Du- the opposite, your double, he knows the ship and his way around, and maybe what we could do is we could find him by figuring out where you would hide. Knowing how the ship is laid out, where would you go to elude a mass search? Yes, but before he does that, there's, there's still, before you leave the, the Sulu thing completely, yeah. Spock mentions that they tried to send down heaters, and what happened? Oh, I don't know. I don't even, I don't remember what happened. Okay. Well, it's right before that. So Spock says they tried to send down heaters to Sulu and the landing party. And what happened? Because they sent them down in the transporter room, uh, in the transporter, they duplicated, as he says. So they don't work. And he calls them thermal heaters, which to me I thought was kind of funny at the time because I don't know what, what other kind of heaters are they going to be. I, thermal, uh, it, it sounds like so low-tech, thermal heaters. <laughs> thermal heaters. That sounds like yeah, a- like, all right, we're going to send down some thermoses. I don't know, some thermal underwear. That's. I don't know. To me, it was like, I don't even think you need the thermal. No, right? I don't think so. Shouldn't heaters be enough? 
I, what, what, what if you don't say thermal? I'm thinking that they're what refrigerated heaters, you know, <laughs> <laughs> ice pack heaters. <laughs> See, I would think that if if you're going to send them down and then they duplicate, that yeah. one would be very one would blow really hot, and then you would have one that was a really cold air conditioner. I think that's what would happen. Actually, I think that there's uh, that's plausible because I yes. think in the science of heating and air conditioning that mm-hmm. there is some element where you take cold air, turn it hot, or something like that. So uh-huh. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yes. But um, but I do know that what they say here for the purposes of this show is that they just don't work. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because we want we want to keep if we send down those heaters and then they work, that problem is not such a big deal. But yeah. we, we want to keep that tight deadline going, so we got we got to keep it up. Right. All right. So they uh, they figure out where where would Kirk hide. So we ask the good Kirk that we have, where would you hide if you were if you were hiding? Oh, I would go down to to the engine room and and hide out there. And so, which again to me was kind of obvious. Like like of course that's where he makes it sound like the lower levels, the engineering <laughs> deck, like. Of course it's going to be there. No, you're going to go up and hang out on the bridge. No, I'm going to run around in the hallways. You know, I'm going to be in the commissary. I'm going to be right here in this conference room. You know, like, it's not really uh, convincing to me that that was like, you know, the, you know, some hidden area of the Enterprise that only Kirk would think to, to hide in, you know. It would be great if they, you're right, they should have come up with something, with, with a new yeah. set, with somewhere that, yeah. that we haven't seen before. No, you know what? Over on uh, on deck thirty two, there's a little bit of a crawl space there that I happen to know yeah. where I like to smuggle things when we go to uh, you know planet contraband. You know that would be and, great. Yeah. Yes, and also just like in the naked time, you know, we saw a lot of the engineering room right when Riley was was you know he took it over from from Scotty. Yes, and here we are watching the engineering room again, and almost nobody is in the engineering room. No, no one is there. <laughs> That's true. Did you think it's it would empty. probably be like the most heavily enforced and populated room of the entire ship. You would think, especially it's after got, we, what we just went through. Got everything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because they there's go down there and it's empty. Here. No one yes. is there. There's nobody there except Good Kirk, Bad Kirk, and Spock. <laughs> 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 yeah, so the, they the two of them, Kirk and Spock, go down to the engine room, and then they start sneaking around. And sure enough, there's Evil Kirk. He's hiding somewhere high up in the rafters. There, he's on top of whatever it is. He's on top of I don't know a big giant engine or something. I don't know what he's on top of. But uh, <laughs> eventually, all three of them are just sort of sneaking around the engine room. It's it's a little uh, like a Scooby Doo episode where yeah, yes, know, that's a yeah. good cartoon for it. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. was picturing that too. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right. Everybody's kind of going in a door and out of an area, you know. <laughs> yeah, here comes Fa- the ghost again. <laughs> yeah, here comes the ghost. <laughs> Phasers drawn. It's fantastic. Yep. And also, all right now, back to one of my favorite topics, and that is uh, Kirk's awful shirt. It yeah. here when I get a good look at it, I see that it has the Starfleet. The Starfleet logo is in a weird spot on the shirt. Yeah. It's all the way at the bottom of the shirt, and it's sideways. Oh, is it really? I thought. It, well, okay. You mean on you mean on the on the dress shirt, right? Oh, yeah, on, on the, the dress shirt. Dress. Yes, yes. On good oh, Kirk. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. You're right. Yes, that's right. I had noticed that before, but just, yeah, you're right. Okay. It, it makes me like that shirt even less. 
such a weird like why is that even there it it looks like it was put on with velcro and it's now slipped and he doesn't realize that it's on the bottom well i'll tell you what i think it you know what i what i think it is so this shirt is like uh i'm not sure if this is the right word it's like a tunic right and i think that this is (laughs) i think where the insignia is that delta it's actually at the edge of that little belt flap Yes, and I think that that's what you know. So there's probably like a snap on the other side of it, and so that's what that is. So it's sideways like that because it, that's how it how it fits there. I'm not saying it's a good place oh, for it to be, but that's, that's terrible. Why it's turned the other way? <laughs> it's terrible. You could also make the, uh, but you know what? Yeah. You could make the uh, the argument that if that delta is supposed to be a representation of the Enterprise or ships like the Enterprise, it is now actually facing the correct direction. Oh my God! Well, of all you the could. things that you've said on this <laughs> podcast and the yeah. so however many episodes we've done, that's the yeah. nerdiest one. Ooh, yeah, that, right. yeah, that was the nerdiest thing I've heard. Okay, the, the Delta right. is now facing the right. I'm way. sure there's more to go. Well, <laughs> if it's course. supposed to be the ship, right? The tails at the end, right? They shouldn't be down. They should be to the right or to the left. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, that's fine. I never really thought that that was supposed to be a ship. I don't know if it is. I'm I don't just know saying what it is. if it is, it's... it would make some sort of sense. All right. All right, yeah. so after sneaking around the engine room, we have a, a brief confrontation between uh, the two Kirks. You know, Good Kirk is telling – Evil Kirk has the phaser on him, but and Good Kirk is telling him, you can't hurt me. Exactly. And eventually this little Mexican standoff, which really isn't what it one since Evil Kirk had the gun – uh, it doesn't last because Spock shows up behind him, gives him the neck pinch. I'm sorry, what's it called? What's the official uh, phrase? In the scripts, it's it's called the famous Spock nerve pinch. The famous and Spock actually, nerve pinch. I like yes, it. and actually that, that brings me to a, a potential correction here from the last episode that we did, which was, of course, The Naked Time. Yes. Um, and I, I told that whole story about how, you know, uh, Nimoy came up with it, and then talked about it with the director and the director was like i don't get it and shatner was like yeah let's do it and then you know they did it and everybody loves it um it may have been i've seen conflicting reports now that it may have been actually this episode where it was debuted and um and and that that was the story that how it happened so i think that that's the case since this one was this episode is actually shot first well if this one was shot first yeah that that would make total sense right so even though last you know we're right in saying that last uh, the Naked Time is the first time it, you know, it technically debuted, I guess, or was unveiled for the public. This is the first time that they that they invented it, I guess is the right way to say okay, it. Okay, yeah, and also because Kirk's reaction in Naked Time is, you've got to teach me that. Yeah, As though right, he's seen it before, right. and this is the first time any of us has seen it. I mean, <laughs> in watching yeah. the show, you just kind of assume, well, I'm sure Kirk has seen Spock do it at some point. You know, somebody, right. someone had too much sorry and brandy one night, and he had to go ahead and give him the old <laughs> famous Spock nerve pinch. But okay. So, I, I also wondered when I, when I was reading about that, about how Shatner was on board with it, what they were trying to do was, originally it was supposed to be Spock was going to come in and take out Kirk, uh, hand-to-hand combat. And that's when Nimoy came up with this idea. It's, come on, Vulcan's way too sophisticated to have to get involved in that sort of thing. And so here's here's my solution to that. And, how, and of course, Shatner's on board with that. I kind of wonder if Shatner was like, yeah, 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 that means I don't have to get beat up? Sure, sure, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not so great when 
you got to get backhanded over a desk. So yeah, I, I understand exactly. that. Yeah. All right. So now we have caught evil Spock. McCoy has him in sick bay. They've got him, you know, subdued for for, oh, for the time being. There's, there's an important moment here as he takes out the uh, the sinister Kirk. Something happens. Oh yeah, he shoots some wires in the engine room. And yeah. when I when I did see that, uh, I, I thought, okay, this is going to be a problem. This is this is a, <laughs> this is how we're going to compound the issue that we have. And our deadline is going to seem even tighter because of it. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. one of those things that you could just see. Oh, yep. That's exactly what it is. All right. Now, so at, at Sick Bay, where Evil Kirk is subdued and Spock is kind of amazed at the two halves and points out, yeah. you know, he starts. He's, I, I think Spock is really. I don't want to say he's enjoying this, but I think on a certain level, he may be enjoying the fact that Kirk is split into two. Just sort of like, wow, this is just sort of amazing because, look, you you actually need both sides of this to, to be an effective leader. It's really kind of interesting. Look at how this, well, is this happening. Well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen a lot in Star Trek, I think. It won't be just Spock. A lot of times it's going to be Spock, but there's going to be other guest stars that play the part of scientists or social scientists, scientists of some kind. They're inquisitive people, and they want to understand, you know, the development of beings, whether they're humans or other species. And when when you get the opportunity to really see see a concept that may have been discussed in in a classroom and actually see it happening right in front of your eyes, I, I think that they can't help themselves but be fascinated by by that prospect and maybe that sort of like even sort of overshadows the 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 real life situation that that one person is is involved in right you know that person that's involved in it doesn't care about oh wow i guess this could be sort of cool if you look at it clinically (laughs) what could this be for mankind in the future or whatever or maybe a great story to tell you know generations to come but what about me now what about now i don't want to be here now (laughs) (laughs) yes this kind of sucks for me by the way i'm so glad that you're fascinated by that the fact that i'm split into two parts can we please (laughs) just focus on putting me back together we can talk about how awesome it is afterwards now remember he's not split he's Mm. not half he's not a duplicate i think i have the proper terminology for this though What, what is that i believe he's a bifurcate what? I'm sorry. What is this? You're just trying to top that, that Starfleet logo thing that you said earlier. He's a what? Then we do have, because I guess they had to give Sulu something to do. So we, we get a little bit of him down on the planet. He's cold. He has, I don't know, I guess some, a tent that he's wrapping himself with. It's not very any anything that looks very convincing that it would keep you warm. And he shoots no. some rocks with a phaser in order to heat them up. That's a nice idea. Yeah, that's a nice yep, idea. Yep. Uh, it's not the first. It's not the only time we'll see that. The first time, but not not the only time. And you know, when it's seventy five degrees below zero, you know, that's about <laughs> the time that you come up with an idea like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> By the way, I also noticed that this particular scene, when they do that, yeah. they show four guys here, whereas in the scene right before that, the last time we talked, there were only three. Oh, okay. Well, the yeah. other guy was yep. was busy trying to, you know. Starts uh, the fire with the sticks. They didn't show him. Oh, he was rubbing the sticks together. It. Didn't wasn't working yes. out. All right. 
So let's get back to our main problem of Evil Kirk, who is in sick bay and he's screaming his head off for whatever reason. Uh, McCoy tells regular Kirk that he's dying. And so regular Kirk or good Kirk holds Evil Kirk's hand and the two halves touching. All of a sudden, it makes him well. Although Evil Kirk does pass out from it. But nonetheless, nonetheless, some. See, they come together. They feel fine. It's amazing, right? No. Yeah, I I, I, I didn't think it was as much the touching, but you you know you're convincing me. I thought it was the words that were making the impact more than the touching. But you know they do show they go out of the way to show the hands touching. So you're probably right. Yeah, I I think it's the touching and also the words. Like you know, he's expressing those feelings and the, the feelings that are stabilizing Evil Kirk. Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Kirk gets, uh, regular Kirk goes down to the transporter room, and Spock explains that sending both sides through the transporter should push them back together, but fortunately, uh, we don't have to just throw throw you into this. Let's test it out with that alien dog that we've had running around this whole time. So now (laughs) we're going to take the two alien dogs. We're going to put them on the transporter on the one pod. And we're going to send them away. And then we're going to bring them back. Here's your close-up of the the sliders. you got to get the evil dog out of the box. Uh, Yes, that's true. Right? And I just think it's so hilarious that the idea is that Scotty's going to reach his hand into this box, this vicious dog that's (laughs) showing teeth. Yeah. He's, good. He's like, all right, I'll grab him by the scruff of his neck, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you, then you give him the the uh, you know the the shot, and you see all you see is you know the view from you know supposedly the dog's perspective, right? And you see Scotty you know lunging there once, and then another time, and then he gets the other hand in there. You tell me, you tell me, Radio Dan, you're gonna be able to stick your hand into a box. At an angry dog that wants to bite you, are you really going to be able to just grab him by the neck? <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it. Let's just put it that way. I, that, that's, I don't think it's going to work. And this dog is supposed to be an alien dog with a horn. It, it's an alien dog, <laughs> yes, with a horn. That's in a. It's, it's in a very bad mood. It's in a very bad yes. mood. It's it, yes. it's pissed off because it has to wear a silly costume the entire time. So oh, yeah. it's in yeah, a bad mood exactly about right. it. So. They get yes. both animals, they put them on the the transporter, and they work those sliders to send them away, and then they reverse it to bring them back together, and only one alien returns, but it's dead. The shock of bringing back together seems to have been too much for him. He's dead, Jeff. So, that's, that's not good. Although Spock thinks... Listen, the alien died because it was a simple creature. It didn't have any comprehension as to what was going on, and it was in shock, and it, 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 this won't happen to you. Don't worry. Even though this is well, the only thing we have to test it with, and we have no other way to test anything else out, I still think we should send you through, even though the one minor test we had was not a success. Well, i I, I got to tell you, I think while Spock is obviously a logic-based you know, creature, and he's using logic here. I think he's also trying to, I don't, you know, reassure Kirk because Kirk's look when he realizes that this dog died <laughs> after being 
together. Yeah. It's like devastating to him. I mean, he, he can't believe it, you know? And now it's like, I think it suddenly hits him that, oh, this may not be a temporary problem. You know, this, mm-hmm. this, this might be, this might be it right he, here. And so I think that that might, it's just conjecture on my part, but it might play a role. Um, Spock is definitely convinced that this dog's inability to be able to figure out what what it was going through is the reason that it went into shock. It's confusion. It's uh, you know it, it it doesn't have the brain power to understand. But you know, hey, a, a, a human being like yourself who mm-hmm. understands what's going on, <laughs> you should be able to figure out while it's happening, and you should not go into shock because if you go into shock, apparently even McCoy can't fix you. No, yeah, shock is the one that That's they have. Like. They, they have not solved shock in the uh, 23rd century. Still, still yeah. the 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 silent killer. I don't know. Right. Kirk decides, all right, I, I guess I'll be going through with it. We, we get some wonderful sad music about this. And it's funny because I have it noted down that sad music plays, and it is another point with the music. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we're going to go through with this, Kirk is going to talk to Sulu, who's just about a popsicle at this point. He's just about <laughs> a Sulu-sicle. He's, you know, almost frozen. And so the two Kirks uh, talk it over. <laughs> talk it over. <laughs> yeah, they have a nice little chit-chat. And yeah. uh, Kirk tells him, good Kirk says, look, we're going to have to go through the transporter. At first, evil Kirk's like, nah, man, I don't want to go. I'm too busy having fun. And no shock <laughs> as to what happens is that evil Kirk overpowers good Kirk. And now he's going to walk around in that awful shirt. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. heads on over. He sees uh, Yeoman Rand. He has a nice little chit-chat. Uh, heads on over to the bridge. Sits down in the chair. Hey, you know what? Uh, for, it, it's honestly, we don't really need Mr. Sulu. We don't need the, and those other guys. I don't, those, they, those characters don't even have names. We're getting out of here. Take us out of orbit. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's right. wonderful. Right, and what a, Farrell is the is the uh, navigator here. He's like, what? Yeah, what? A, what? What a bastard, evil Kirk is. Right, and then Spock says, "But wait a second, I thought." And then Kirk's like, "Listen, this is the way it is. Go back to work." Yeah. Try to leave order, Mister Farrell. Well, Captain, I gave you an order, Mister Farrell. But what about? They can't be saved. Prepare to leave orbit. Yes, sir. I thought we'd plan to change my mind. Go back to your station, Mr. Spock. But that doesn't last for long. No, it doesn't last long at all. Uh, McCoy brings Good Kirk to the bridge, and uh, now, now we're going to have our, our our big confrontation between the two of them. Evil Kirk freaks out. It's like there's a real good freaking out. Farrell, James, grab him. He'll destroy the ship. I'm the captain. Don't you understand? I'm captain of the ship. <laughs> When the two of them get together and kind of wrestle around a little bit, evil Kirk from behind doesn't really actually look like Kirk at all to me. Did that ever, did that thought cross your mind at all? uh, I was watching for that. I didn't notice it, but I was definitely watching for that. Obviously, there's a stand in here. Yes. um, You know, for scenes like this, but um, I did not notice it. Okay. So, good on you. 
It, to me, it's like, yeah, that guy does not look like Shatner. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like it was embarrassing or, you know, yeah. they, they found a, you know, a white-haired guy or, or a black guy right, or something right. ridiculous. But, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's clearly not Shatner to me. But anyway, uh, so now we're going to go do this transporter thing. So Kirk is holding on to his, you know, what was what did you call it? What was that ridiculous word that you had? The bifurcate. The bifurcate. Uh, he's holding on to his bifurcate. Wait, wait, but I want to say one thing though. I, I think you may have missed something that that oh. is really interesting. It's sure. a an editing mistake. The right when uh, when Dark Kirk, you keep calling him Evil Kirk. I'm just going to call him Dark Kirk. Ugh, he um, the end of the episode. The pit, he's he's you know saying I want to live, I want to live, right? Yes. And they believe they they get close on his face, and that's where I think you can start to see the makeup on his eyes and stuff like that. The scratches on his face are on the wrong side. <gasps> yeah, you're so right. You are so <laughs> right. They are on the other side. What is that about? That's All right, hilarious. Well, it's, 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 there's some sort of technique called, uh, you know, 180-degree, you know, shooting or something like that, and I guess they did it backwards for, for this scene. So they didn't put the scratches <laughs> on the wrong side. It's literally turned around. Um. Okay, whatever. Yeah. That's hilarious, yeah, though. But that's... Yeah, yeah, it's funny. All right, so now we got two Kirks on the transporter. Uh, we're now we're gonna go ahead and beam them out. Two Kirks enter, one Kirk leaves. Let's beam them out, bring them back in. Now we've got our one Kirk, and yeah, he's okay. Everything is suddenly pretty pretty fine. Everything is fine. Uh, we also now see our frozen crewmen. They are back on board. They are now caravanning in front of us on stretchers. But don't worry, just a little bit of frostbite. They're going to be fine. No one's just a little bit of frostbite. Just, you know, just it's, a little. it was like 117 degrees below zero. Yeah. Just a little bit of frostbite. Listen, <laughs> not everybody needs all those toes, so don't worry. No. Yeah. We've, we've but got... you know what, though? Yeah. When when Kirk reappears and he's himself, you know, and. He like staggers a minute. Everybody's like wondering, like, is he okay, right? And then he like steps off the, uh, you know, the transporter, you know, whatever this, the circle. Yes. <laughs> he says, "Get those men aboard now!" Oh, that's right. That's how we know he's all right. Yeah, he's just barking yes! out orders. And I thought, I just feel like that's cool. That's yeah. like, all oh, right, he's back. He's you back. Know? Yeah. Yes. That's hilarious yes. because that's, that's exactly what you're supposed to think. You're exactly supposed yeah. to think that, and that worked for you. All right, that's cool. Yes, of course it does. Yes, I'm easy. I know. Yes. All right, so now we're we're going to head back to the bridge where we're going to finish up. Kirk yeah. has decided that. Wearing that shirt is the way to go, even though it still looks like crap. Uh, he heads onto the bridge. He thanks Spock. He talks to uh, to Yeoman Rand for a minute, and and then he you know, he just takes command. All right, on on to our next adventure, and and now we're done with uh, the enemy within. Yes. Anything yes. you want to say about this last bit? Our little epilogue. Well, I will say this. You know, mm-hmm. it's a pretty uh it's a pretty crass comment by by Spock, right? That he looks at her, he kind of has that weird look in his eye and he says, "Hey, you know, the imposter had some interesting qualities, don't you think?" And he's <gasps> saying it to the woman right. that got raped. That is so right. You are correct. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God, you're right, and it's terrible. The posture had some interesting qualities, wouldn't you say? Human. It's terrible. Yes. I'll tell you. I don't. Gotta say, this has got to be a famous episode, right? This is a well-known episode, right? Um, one of the ones. I, it's one of them. Sure, sure. All right. This is probably my least favorite episode so far. <laughs> like. Yeah, like no yeah. doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, I would say that well, this is this is the weakest one I think that I've seen so far. Uh, it, while it still continues to show me hilarious things like dogs in alien costumes, which I appreciate on a certain level, <laughs> the whole this whole storyline, everything seemed to be you know obviously manufactured to serve the story to move the plot along. Um, I don't even know how we got around the transporter not working for a week to the transporter working. I don't know how, I don't even remember how that got no, resolved. No, they, they, they did. They I'm sure they told us. They, yeah, they did. They did tell us. They just, they yeah, did. it's whatever. Some space jargon of, of how it is that, that now it's fine. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose. But I think it was a little, slightly more clearer than, than space jargon. But uh, uh, the way this episode ends, on that, on that quote, you know, by Spock, now, Grace Lee Whitney, the actress that played Yeoman Rand, yeah. wrote about that in her book, which oh. came out in the late nineties. Oh, I, I, and, I can't be can't be kind. Right, right, right. So here's what she wrote: "Quote, I can't imagine any more cruel and insensitive comment a man or Vulcan could make to a woman who has just been through a sexual assault. But then some men really do think that women want to be raped." So the writer of the script gives us a leering Mr. Spock who suggests that Yeoman Rand enjoyed being raped and found the evil Kirk attractive. Wow. Well, I mean, it's hard to argue anything that she says right there. And it seems a bit out of character for Spock to, to of, of all people to make that comment. I agree. It really seems like, yeah, exactly, of all people to say something like that, to make that kind of observation... Um. Yeah. Although you know what, I now that you say that, and now that I'm thinking about it, I could flip it the other way and say, well, actually, he maybe he's the right guy because he doesn't have the sensitivity to you know he's sort of guessing, you know, um, on how you know someone should react to that. I, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't. I don't. I don't, know. That, I don't that, like it either way. I don't uh, want to. Yeah, it sounds a little like locker room talk to me, and I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think Spock would engage in such uh, trivialities. And he's got that little stupid grin on his face <laughs> as he's saying it. It's yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think Spock's really supposed to grin as it is. You no, know? And probably so that's not. That's what's going to make him grin? You know? Um, <laughs> boy, boy, that other side of you. Boy, he's he's an animal. <laughs> um, so, but Grace Lee Whitney said some other things about the episode. Um, here's another quote. She says, I love The Enemy Within because it gave me a chance to really react and act with Bill Shatner. I love it. I love the whole concept of him breaking into two characters because that really was what Kirk and Rand were about. There were two sides of Kirk and two sides of Rand. Rand was there to be of service to him, but she was also in love with him, but she knew she mustn't go over the boundaries. Uh, She says that that quote appears in a different book. It's not her autobiography. It's in uh, something called... These are the voyages TOS season one. Well, um, she yeah. liked it more than I did. 
<laughs> I, uh, what did you think of William Shatner's acting? Uh, I, I'm not really impressed with his flipping out. Like any time he was flipping out and he was yelling, "I'm the captain! I'm the captain! Don't you understand? I'm captain of the ship! It's my ship! My ship! It's mine!" You're asking me to laugh at you is what you're doing. You're you're uh, you asking know, for for not a for, for me to not take you very seriously. You know, now that you mention that, any time that there needs to be wild emotion to show that people have done crazy on yeah. this show, <laughs> it does go over the top like that, right? Yes, it goes directly yeah. over the top. It goes from zero to hysteria in in a second, and and that's what we had here, and yeah. it it just seemed ridiculous. As, this as, might be jump. This might be a jump the shark kind of a thing. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, you would need a, more episodes to be bad in order to. No, to I'm not saying that. that the episode is jump the shark. I'm saying like that character, you know, play. Like if you go that far, then you've like you okay, know, sure. You you completely suspend your belief in the moment. You know, you can't go there. You're like, oh come on, I'm not going to go there. I'm not feeling what you want me to feel on that. You know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm too busy thinking that this is ridiculous. Um, I will tell you what uh, what James Dewan thought of William Shatner's performance. Oh, oh, please, please! I would love to hear it. In his in his uh, biography called "Beam Me Up, Scotty," two words: pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Um, the director yeah. Leo Penn yeah. said. William Shatner is a very good actor and gave a very good performance. I had a good time on that show. Okay. And last was the writer, Richard Math- Matheson, who wrote or said, I thought Bill Shatner was brilliant. I loved what he did. He carried the whole thing. I was a little sorry that Roddenberry put so much emphasis on the crew being stuck on the planet. Of course, that's because he never wrote that part at all. Uh-huh. But I liked it, and I was very satisfied with the production value. There you go. Is he the one who wrote that last line for for Spock? Unknown, you know. In fact, even okay. you know, in the part that I read to you by uh, Grace Lee Whitney about that, when she says, "So the writer of the script," and then in parentheses it says, "ostensibly Richard Matheson," although the line could have been edited by Gene Roddenberry or an assistant scribe. So uh, who knows? Yeah, uh, and, and I'm going to guess no one's taking credit for it these days. Uh yeah, yeah. I would think you're right. Yeah, okay. I would think you're right. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to uh, go ahead and 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 move the needle on oh, okay. on on the rating that we have going on. We're, we're, All right, so where were we? We were at at we we have achieved an 85 on our on okay. Our, our, Just before you um, you know yeah. render your verdict and give us the number, yeah. Um, I'm going to try to swing you a little bit, sway no. you, because, you know, I, I definitely, you know, have, uh, you know, an ulterior motive here. Maybe not that ulterior, but... <laughs> I say, uh, clearly, no, it's it's a very obvious motive. You've been able, you might have been able to detect where I lean toward. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's the reason that this show exists, so, yes. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling, right. yeah. Uh, might be the new nickname you gave me, too. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but I so like fan. this episode because it's because of how early it comes in that we're still learning about the characters. And I, I like the idea of the story. You know, I agree that there's, you know, places that it, it does fall flat, you know, and, you know, there are definitely some problems that you and I discussed. 
but I still like I do like when they're figuring out the the mystery. You know, I like when Spock is saying, you know, saying, you know, this is what's going on, and actually, this is like the difference between, to use your Earth terms, good and bad, and how they both need each other. Jim, Mr. Kirk, you know, Captain Kirk, you could never be the captain that you are without that other half. This dark side, this guy that we're calling the evil side, is the one that gives you this strength. You know, and this so-called good side is just simply the one that you know gives you the intellect and the compassion. But let's not. So Spock is trying to say, let's not judge it in you know good and bad. I'm just trying to use that language here to illustrate, you know, what what's what's actually going on without without having judgment. And so the fact, the bottom line is, you need all of these character traits. You know, you need to jumble them up. You know, and you know they're all like the ingredients that go into the pie. You know, that oh, you're boy. baking. And um, I just like the concept. So I like the idea conceptually. Yes. And those kinds of storylines are, are what make me like this show so much. So that's my pitch to try to like mm-hmm. to see what you to see if you can, you know, appreciate that piece of the show. What do you think about what I just said there? Okay, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I totally I I like the idea of this show as well. I thought the basic concept of this episode was really cool however there's a number of things in the execution of it that are not so cool to me that are a little cliche that are a little maybe I've seen things that are like this and this probably predates a number of those things and maybe they're borrowing from this but also, there's a number of things that just seem to happen in order to to serve the plot that that, that are awfully convenient. So here's I would yeah. I would also suggest that you know this is a time period. This is 1966, and you tell me if you feel like I'm right about this. It feels to me that they've recently come up with someone in TV world or movie world, probably TV world, has come up with a way to film doubles of yourself. And they start doing that in all sorts of TV shows, right? So, like, Bewitched is out at around this time. And, look, we can do – we can make the Samantha have her own sister and acting in the same same scene with her, seemingly. Yes. And I yes. think they, they certainly did that with I Dream of Jeannie and uh, the Patty Duke show, which is earlier. Oh, but yeah, still absolutely. There. Um, I feel like they did that on just about every – Every TV show, maybe not you know Dick Van Dyke, but uh, it just seems like it happened over and over and over, and that they're just—it it probably happened on Get Smart, isn't there a, a an episode where there's a duplicate Maxwell Smart? Oh my god! I feel like there—I feel like there was. There, there, um, there must be. I don't have yeah. one on the top of my head, but there must be. You're right. All right, I'll right. go with that. There may have been. Maybe you know there was a duplicate Batman. You know, I—I I don't know, but it just feels <laughs> like. It feels to me like, hey, there's this cool technology, you know, and maybe that helps, you know, uh, the, inspire them to do this kind of a storyline. I'm not saying that that's right. good. I'm just saying to me it, it rings a little familiar for the time period. All right, listen, here, here's what I'm going to tell you, all right? Yeah, yep. I, I'm, I'm going to give you five points. Okay. I'm going to give you five points for the, the, for the, the basic idea of the show, of the good yeah. side and the bad side. I like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to give you five, another five points. For the alien dog, <laughs> you're gonna give me points for the dog. Yeah, you get points for the for the dog in an okay. alien costume 
because right. while it was terrible, it was it was so terrible, it was good. It was entertaining. Okay. Uh, if the whole episode had just been about the dog walking around the Enterprise, I would like the show a little bit up uh, a little bit better. But then that's <laughs> it. It's ten points total. There's no other points to be given out. There's nothing else I got for you. I got nothing else. So it's ten. So we were at eighty-five. Uh, we're now at ninety-five. Okay. All right. I'm not going to complain. On our you march know, to a hundred thousand is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. At least we didn't move backwards. That's that's no. that's the good thing. Yeah. On our march to a hundred thousand, we're now at ninety-five. Got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna need to get to, to some of those really uh, super intelligent and amazing storied ones coming up soon. So they are coming. All right. Well, tell me what's our next one. Um, I believe the next one is Mud's Women. Okay. And that's a good one. There's um, it's good for you know for a number of reasons. Um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna like that the guy that that the guest star is a terrific actor. I think in this role. Okay. You probably know the actor. He seems familiar to me, but I I don't know where I've seen him before or since. Um, but yeah, it's a it's it's a pretty good story. He's a great actor. Um, we're going to learn more about the technology of what makes the ship run. Uh, that's going to be terrific. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I am looking. I am now looking forward to our next episode of Attempting Trek, where we will be going over Mud's daughters. Joey, yes. Take us out of here, fans. You've got the count.